May the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who calls us here, who meets us on this first day of the week, reminding us now and always we are a resurrection people. As we worship Christ today, we spend some time on the mountain of transfiguration, which is what you see represented as you look at the bulletin cover for this morning. Mount of the Transfiguration story is always the last Sunday of Epiphany before we begin the season of Lent. So we spend some time on the mountain, and I'm grateful to be there with you, grateful to find our place at the Lord's table as well, and grateful to anticipate what I believe will be a very significant season of Lent. I'm hoping uh, that as we begin that season, this coming Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, that you will find it to be a spiritual discipline of participating in the life of the church as we journey through Lent together. There are two worship opportunities on Wednesday, a noon service here and also the 7 o'clock service. You see this cited on the uh, insert that is before you, so I hope you will find a prominent place for this uh, in your home or office. We also, uh, before we get to the season of Lent, uh, have an opportunity for a time of festivities on Tuesday evening, Shrove Tuesday, and I look forward to being with you as part of that pancake dinner Tuesday evening in the Fellowship Hall at 5.15. Also, there will be midweek services, as you see represented here, and also the gift of this, ad, excuse me, this Lenten devotional that's been created by our children. So some wonderful works of art that coordinate with the scripture that is before us in the season of Lent, so I look forward to you receiving these devotionals, uh, if not on Wednesday, then next Sunday as we gather for worship as well. would also remind you that a week from Wednesday, we will have the opportunity to share in a small group study of the book of uh, the Gospel of John, Gospel of Light and Life, which has been created by Adam Hamilton. So that will be again on Wednesday, March 13th at 5.30 in the Fellowship Hall. All are invited to be a part of that study, and we do have the books for that study in the church office. We had been in prayer for, for a great period of time prior to General Conference, which was held this past week, concluded, and you may have seen that the vote of the delegates to General Conference was in support of what is called the traditional plan. So uh, it was a close vote, which still witnesses to the fact that the United Methodist Church is quite divided still over the issue of sexuality. We have been asked within the church to read a letter from the president of the Council of Bishops, Bishop Kenneth H. Carter, Jr. So as we begin our time together, I will read this letter uh, by Bishop Carter in the wake of the decisions of General Conference. He begins with reference to James chapter five. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? they should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. To the faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, who are people of the United Methodist Church. I read, the, I read this passage of scripture on our day of prayer in St. Louis. I then reflected on these words with the, with the Council of Bishops on the day after the special session of the General Conference, and I share them with you. In a time of division and a challenge with fightings and fears within, without, we are in need of healing. The healing ministry of Jesus takes pain and suffering seriously. The scripture calls for the elders of the church to pray and anoint. In the ancient spiritual traditions, anointing is about setting apart and healing, receiving power and gaining courage. Every church I have known in my life has had spiritual elders, mature spiritual leaders who care for the body, that is, the people of God who is called to get together in a place. I pray in this moment for mature spiritual leadership among the clergy and laity of our global church. I pray that we will move toward the pain and grief and especially among our members of the LGBTQ community. James does not call us to identify the sins of one another. He calls us to confess our sins to one another. 
and to pray for one another so that we may be healed. Our mutual prayer and confession is for a larger purpose, our healing. And our healing is for an even greater purpose, that we might be repairers of the breach, Isaiah 58. Through the power of the cross and the flame of the Holy Spirit, God demonstrates his love for all. May we be a means of grace to one another in these days. The peace of the Lord, Kenneth H. Carter, Jr., President, Council of Bishops, the United Methodist Church. We do continue in prayer, and we continue to live according to the mission that God entrusts to us here at First Church, that we are an uptown church where all are welcome, where all worship, where all serve for the glory of God. We prepare to worship God together.
I invite us to stand. Our call to worship is before us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God and King. Glorious and powerful is the God of all creation. The Lord our God is King and the just judge of all things for all eternity, all people, and all places. The Lord our God is King and the forgiving God. invite us to go to God as we pray, and we share in a prayer titled Transfiguration. It's before us, number 259 in our hymnals as well. Together we pray. Holy God, upon the mountain you revealed our Messiah, who by his death and resurrection would fulfill both the law and the prophets, by his transfiguration enlighten our path that we may dare to suffer with him in the service of humanity and so share in the everlasting glory of him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Oh! 
thank you, Elizabeth, for heading Children's Church this morning. Well, on the first Sundays of the month, we, we do not have children's time. We do have children's church. But you're welcome to stay. <laughs> We share the gospel as it comes to us from Luke chapter 9. It is Luke's account of the transfiguration of Jesus. First we pray. Lord, lead, lead us to your mountain. Aside from all things, those lesser things that would distract us, help us hear above all your word and to be drawn to greater love for you and for our neighbor. In Christ we pray, amen. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and a John and a James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance was altered and his raiment became dazzling white. And behold, two men talked with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they wakened, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he said this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silence and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the word of our Lord. Well, I don't know about you, but I know I can often go two, sometimes three days in a row without talking about the transfiguration of Jesus. Two, three, four. <laughs> I, I know, oddly enough, that the transfiguration just doesn't easily find its way into conversation for me, and maybe I travel in the wrong circles. Now, there are many topics that have found their way into conversation for me this past week. Rain, General Conference, Bryce Harper, grandchildren. But strangely enough, no conversation about transfiguration. Odd, then, that this experience receiving so little attention in our daily conversation is an event receiving great attention within the Gospels. The truth is, the transfiguration of Jesus found in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke receives more attention than the birth of Jesus is recorded only in Luke and Matthew. So though you and I may find little occasion to talk about the transfiguration of Jesus, those who write the Gospels find it of great importance to tell us of the transfiguration of Jesus. Nonetheless, this account of transfiguration may strike us as odd. There's really nothing preparing us for the transfiguration. The story, in a sense, appears out of nowhere. To this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has called his disciples. Jesus has been teaching. Jesus has been preaching. Jesus has performed miracles. And then, without warning, we are told that Jesus, with Peter, James, and John, 
goes up on a mountain to pray. That's important to Luke to have us know that Jesus has a great ministry of prayer. And while praying, Jesus' appearance changes. His clothing becomes dazzling white. Two pioneers, two men of great prominence in the faith, Moses, the giver of the law, and Elijah, first among the prophets, appear also in glory and speak with Jesus. They speak of what Jesus has yet to accomplish once he descends from this mountain and arrives in Jerusalem. A cloud overshadows them all, a voice from the cloud. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. After descending from the mountain, Jesus' ministry resumes as he heals a demon-possessed boy. Then, Luke tells us, Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem, that place where he will accomplish the departure or the exodus of which he speaks with Moses and Elijah while on the mountain. Now, this, this transfiguration, it's a puzzling story in many ways, that's true. It does seem somewhat out of place. We are invited to wonder, why is it here? What is it doing here? Why is it the writers of the Gospels found this story so important as to place it right here within their Gospels? There are scholars of the Bible, we know, scholars who hold the view that well, actually, this transfiguration story is a, a resurrection story that's been moved from after the resurrection to this place in the gospel. No doubt many hold to this view because the, the transfiguration appears to be something of a, a misplaced account, not fitting smoothly within the narrative of the gospel. And these scholars see what you and I may see. That is, remove this story from the gospel take out this transfiguration, and the narrative flows quite smoothly. It's, it's not as if transfiguration is necessary to link one story to another. Despite all of that, we realize the story of the transfiguration of Jesus is before us this morning. It's before us right now. And it is before us for a good reason. The story is before us as it needs to be before us now. You see, we're getting ready to spend some time in the wilderness. This wilderness we know as the 40 days of the season of Lent. The season begins with us wearing ashes this coming Wednesday, ashes of repentance Humility, mortality. Next Sunday finds us spending time with Jesus as he is tempted 40 days in the wilderness. As Jesus' time in the wilderness is excruciating for him, so this time in the wilderness is difficult and trying for us. During this time in the wilderness with Jesus, we will know Jesus as he is tempted. We will know Jesus as he suffers. During this time with Jesus in the wilderness, we will know him as, as he fasts and is tempted to turn stones into bread. During this time in the wilderness, we will know Jesus as his authority is questioned, if you are the Son of God. During this time in the wilderness, we will know Jesus as he's denied more than once. During the time in the wilderness, we will see those closest to Jesus abandon him. We will see Jesus betrayed, during the time in the wilderness, we will see Jesus, as our confession tells us, crucified. 
dead, buried. And during the time in the wilderness, it may be that we even feel like turning around. That's the nature of time spent in the wilderness, isn't it? And we all, everyone here, spends time in the wilderness, whether it is during the season of Lent or in some other season of our lives. And in such wilderness, we know it is the nature of being in the wilderness to know discouragement, to know grief, to know defeat. In the wilderness, we know loss, and we know doubt, and we may second-guess. It may be even in the wilderness we wonder, what's the use? Is it worth it? In this wilderness, we may even wonder about the ways of God. My God, my God, why? It's never easy in the wilderness. We may wonder how long we stay there, when and how and if we find our way out. So it's understandable we prefer not to spend time there. It's understandable we wonder how can we endure and survive in this wilderness. It is then, it's then we remember this morning. It's then we remember this moment. It's then we remember this time spent upon the mountain with Jesus. It's then we remember seeing our Savior in all His glory. It's then we remember that every word of God, whether it is the word of the law as spoken by Moses or the word of prophecy delivered by Elijah, every word is a saving and healing word made real in this God who is with us. It is this God who knows life as fully as you and I know it, the God who is faithful even to the cross, so great is his love for us. It is in the wilderness we hear again the voice of God, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to no one but him. Now in the grace of God, before we step into any wilderness, God gives us this time on the mountain. And upon the mountain, we are surrounded on all sides by the glory of God. Upon the mountain, we know that all saving and healing purposes of God are fulfilled in this Word made flesh. And we then find as we make our way through the wilderness, this time on the mountain will sustain us. Now these moments of transfiguration, as odd as we may say they are, they are still closer than we realize. Their power to sustain us is greater than we know. I'm remembering now a woman named Helen. And even now I still see Helen very well in my memory. I hear Helen as well. You see, Helen was quite the hummer. Someone you heard before you actually saw her. Here comes Helen. <laughs> Sweetly humming wherever she went, no matter what she was doing. I see Helen now as I hear her. I see her carrying a basin of warm, soapy water. The reason she carries this water is because Helen is going to wash the feet of some homeless persons who were being hosted that week by the church I then served. Helen, in her 80s, head full of white hair, Helen was accompanied by a young lady she had recruited to help her with this ministry, and the young lady carried some towels. As Helen walked away from me toward those whose feet she would wash, 
I know she was smiling. She smiled all the time. This despite the fact that Tom, Helen's husband of many years, had died not long ago. This despite the fact that Helen had a grown daughter with chronic health problems. And we may wonder, how is it that this widow, Helen, smilingly and hummingly carried a basin of soapy water to wash the feet, a task not all of us are willing to do, of some homeless persons? I have an idea as to how Helen was able to to bring herself to church, to get her soap and water, to get her basin, and enlist the help of someone to carry towels with her to help wash the feet of homeless people from Richmond. You see, I believe Helen had spent much time in the presence of Jesus in all his glory. I believe Helen spent some time on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, joined him on that mountain in prayer. And there she heard the voice of God thundering throughout creation, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. She listened. And she knew the living Christ to walk with her through whatever wilderness she endured. This time upon the mountain, this vision given her, the voice she heard, it was enough to sustain and enough to inspire Well, it's true, the wilderness may never be too far from us, but our time within the presence of Christ in all his glory is never distant from us. We have seen, we have heard, we remember, we have prayed. This moment of transfiguration is never a past event, never behind us, never out of view. The presence of this Christ is the one who brings us here now. In the wilderness yet before us, we find ourselves in the presence of the same glorified Lord. We listen, and it is enough.
and I invite us to confess our faith by way of the Apostles' Creed. It's number 882 in our hymnals. Let us affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I invite us to go to God as we share in a time of the prayers of the people. We know this to be a responsive time of prayer in which I will name various petitions, concluding each with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and inviting from you the response, hear our prayer. Let us pray. Lord, you call us away from distraction, from confusion, from chaos, from disorder, so that we may spend some time with you and with your faithful witnesses. You call us to see you in all your glory, to hear your voice above all others, to hear again what we heard at your baptism, this is my son, listen to him. for your voice echoing through the years still, so that it finds hearing within us today, we give you thanks. As we hear, help us, Lord, obey, and help us remember faithfully, and to go to those places you would have us go, even through the wilderness, where we discover again how much you love us, and how much you love all that you have made. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Emily Woodridge. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. <coughs> Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, the United Methodist Church, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayers, joined with the prayers of all your saints, that cloud of witnesses surrounding us still, joining their voices to ours, and finding their place with all your children at your table. Amen. Amen. Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another 
Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Our prayer of confession is before us. It is a responsive prayer. So if you would respond with bold print, let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, God's glory and love shone through you that day on the mountain, and you persisted in revealing that glory and love through your words and deeds through your life of humble service. We hear again these wonderful words of God, you are my son, the beloved, listen to him. We confess our failure to listen to you because of the influence on our lives of the gods of this world. When this happens, our attitudes conceal rather than reveal your glory and your love. If we conceal your love because of our pursuit of other priorities prevents us from seeing and serving people in need. If we conceal your glory because all we reflect is our own self-centeredness. If we conceal your truth through our lack of credible witness. If we conceal your justice through our failure to empower those who are powerless. If we conceal your mercy because of our hard and unforgiving attitudes. If we conceal your compassion because of our prejudice and intolerance. Lord Jesus Christ, cleanse our lives of all shameful attitudes of mind and heart, so that we reveal your glory in and through all we do and say and are. This we pray in your name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. I invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As we find our places, we prepare to worship God with his tithes and our offerings. Uh, a reminder as we prepare for the morning offerings, uh, there is opportunity as you come forward for the Lord's Supper, as there is each first Sunday when we share the Eucharist, there is opportunity with these mission boxes to support the mission ministries of the church. Just a reminder that there will be the opportunity to do that when you come forward. For the Lord's Supper, I invite our ushers to come forward at this time. Let us pray. Lord, you give us yourself. You call us to spend time with you on the mountain. You reveal your glory each day. We know your presence and your words spoken as we worship. We give you thanks and pray that these gifts returned unto you would be an expression of our thanksgiving and our desire to walk with you now and always. In Jesus' name, amen.
seated. The table is set. Christ is the host for all his children. We remember as we gather here that the night before Jesus died for us, he gave himself, his body and blood at table, and he said to us, do this in remembrance of me. So we do this, and we remember, and we know his presence with us. As we share in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, we are invited to offer three responses. These will be sung responses in which the choir will lead us. The prayer of great thanksgiving as I offer it will differ slightly because it will reference today being Transfiguration Sunday, but your responses are the same. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, through Elijah and Elisha and many other prophets you brought your word to your people. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. He was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and was transfigured so that his face shone like the sun. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, We offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, that the God of this world might not blind the minds of unbelievers and keep them from seeing 
the light of Jesus Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Christ has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord, to which each of you is invited You'll be invited by our ushers to come down the center aisle to receive a portion of the bread at one of two stations that will be here to dip that bread into the cup that is held before you as well. And then you're invited to kneel as you may feel led here at the communion rail for a time of prayer. Please come to the table of our Lord. Our choir will come first. Our closing prayer is found before us, also at the bottom of page 11. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we stand as we sing.
shine as we go forth from this place, a light in darkness. We may even find ourselves humming a little bit too, knowing that we have spent some time in the presence of our Lord, praying, seeing, and listening. And now we go forth in the name of our living Christ, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.